Okay, we are inviting all our children today. Pathway Kids is back on again. Um, and leaders, we just want to say we, we're thinking of you as you lead our children today. Um, yeah, may God bless you as you lead them. Um, kids, you can go. If, you, if you're new here um, and, and you've got a child from the age of uh, five and up, please follow the, the trail. Uh, and yeah, you'll be welcome there to show where you need to go or can go. Babysit is also open, and so yeah, you are welcome if you have a child from, well, birth to four. Um, someone would look after them for you as well. Uh, no, that's right, I'll take Emmy. <laughs> um, and then we are going to now turn to a time of congregational prayer. And so, Dini, can I invite you to do that for us? Um, just before you pray, I just want to um, introduce you um, to those who don't know you. So Pathway has a prayer network. <laughs> uh, many of you know this because you get the texts quite faithfully and this is, the, this is the face behind it. And so we just want to thank you just briefly for what you do. Um, we praise God for this ministry. Uh, and I want to invite you, if you want to be a part of this, just to receive or ask for any requests for prayer. How many people are on this prayer? Uh, 93, I think I've got Right, 93 people are part of this. That's not a boast or a... break the 100? Yeah, we want to break the 100. <laughs> it's not a boast or a brag point, but it's, it's important to think that when, that when we need God to help us, that there's a bunch of people praying for us if we ask through Dinny. So if you'd like to receive or, or make use of that, please do see Dinny or myself afterwards. Love to link you in uh, into that network. So, um, yeah, you're part of it. Dini. Yeah, thanks, Dinny. Yeah, it's really such a... Such a um, blessing. Straight after Dini, uh, Zaria is going to read the Bible to us. We won't sing a song again and I'll preach straight after that. I just want to say that um, text you just read. Sorry, can you, do you want to say it in here? Sorry. It's our wedding text. Uh, the Ephesians one? Yeah. Oh, lovely. And we chose that as to be a blessing through our married life and yeah, that's exactly what we've had us think. <laughs> Praise God, and that's quite a miracle with Rob. Nearly, I mean, let's be honest. Forty-four years. So, <laughs> Praise God. Friday. Thank you for sharing too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no worries. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. So let's just quiet our hearts and bring God our praise. Dear Lord, we just thank you that we can gather here together just so freely and. Um, without hindrance we just uh, are so blessed here in this country when there is so much persecution and um, a lot of countries where people um, cannot worship cannot gather cannot um, meet above ground often underground churches and we just thank you and praise you um, for the way that we can come together and worship as a family um, Thank you too, while thinking of um, other churches worldwide that MRF have been able to raise so much money to help uh, with the poor people in uh, Syria who are struggling. They've had so many years of war and then um, a couple of earthquakes and, yeah, it's really rocked them. And thank you that our churches together can just be a small part of, of helping that whole situation. We thank you for that. We give thanks for the prayer meeting that we had last Monday, Re Pathways' involvement in the East Devonport Fellowship, 
um, gathering. We just ask that you will continue to bless what goes on over there and, um, yeah, that eventually we can see people gathering to worship on the eastern shore as well. Um, and we pray that the Lord is already preparing the harvest. Many seeds have been planted and nurtured with food, water and sunlight, praying we will do our utmost to gather in all he brings with seeing and hearing the gospel done in the flesh, whether it's through the Easter fun days or the need of food or just a craving to find meaning in this life or just having a listening ear. Let it continue at Pathway and within, within all she has to offer as a family of God's people. The needs of your people are many with sickness, all the ailments of ageing, mental illness, physical disabilities, weaknesses and frailties and financial woes, to suicidal thoughts, some struggling to make important financial or relationship decisions, or struggle raising children or wayward teens. Many of these things may seem petty and not something we want to bother the almighty God of the universe with, but you do care and you, and the small, about the small things and the minute details of our lives. We ask that you remove the doubt. Show us that you are in control. Remove the evil one from his whispered lies. Lead us to trust in your unfailing love. Pray for all the other programs run through not only Pathway, but pray for our pastors and their families, for Ed and Ryan to do their tasks in the service to the King. Thank you for the... I've missed a bit there. Um, things like Lobes and Fishers, Chaplaincy, Grants Van and many other mission-minded groups that operate in and around Devonport. Pray they will also be a witness to your love, Lord, in what they do, being the hands and feet of Jesus, our Lord. And now we can pray for Ed and Ryan and our leadership. And we just ask, Lord, that you will help them to do the tasks in service to their King. For all these things, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit do a work in each of us today and throughout the week to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Redeemer, and all God's people say, Amen. Hi, I'm Zaria and I'll be doing the Bible reading today. Two Bible readings today. First one comes from Genesis 3, 1 to 19. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, 
and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put anonymity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labour you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you have listened to your wife, and ate fruit from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And Mark three twenty-eight to 30. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Well done, Zaria. Thank you very much. Um, there are, in some of the pockets, in the seats, in front of you in the rows, some pads and pencils. Um, please feel free to grab them. If you're a learner who needs to draw, doodle, or write, or do pictures if it helps you to concentrate and tune in, uh, use that. Uh, children, if you... If you want to draw, if you're artistic, um, I want to introduce the topic. I actually want to put the challenge to you, if, if it helps you. Can you draw me a picture, a symbolic picture that depicts that word on the screen? Sin. And then there's a pin-up board out there that I'd like you to pin it up, maybe what you drew, and um, you know, we can sort of talk and share. If you don't have a, pin, a, a pad next to you, just spread it around. There's somewhere there, just tap on the shoulders and ask around. All right, I've got a question for you. Have you ever asked yourself what is wrong with me? 
daily, right, daily. Um, it's such a question, such a deep question. What is wrong with, with me? What, maybe the next question is, what is wrong with, with the world? It's a tricky question. It's almost a dangerous question to ask because there are, in this room, I bet, three, maybe more different kind of responses. Some of you would say, uh, what do you mean what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with me. <laughs> uh, uh, the whole idea, perhaps, if, if you're very, uh, very, new, certainly if you're new to, to church, to Christian thinking, I mean the word for wrong at a very basic level in Christian language is, is, is that word on the screen, it's, it's sin. You say, well, nah, never thought about it. Really not a word that has crossed my mind or a concept. You know, it's new to you, the very fact that maybe there is such a question. Maybe your response to the question, what is wrong with me, is how dare you suggest that? This is, this is very, very countercultural to ask. In fact, the cultural uh, um, zeitgeist is um, that it's immoral to insinuate or think that y you could say to a person that there's something wrong with him with her. It's not how it works. That's a taboo. That's a, and that's, there's a long history of that, you know. Um, minds like Sigmund Freud on a psychological level convinced us that uh, say a thing like guilt is an irrational thing. No human should ever think about it. It, it, it shouldn't exist. Um, I read a newspaper article during the week that talked about uh, the, the uh, resurgence of um, sort of the power of positive thinking, that if you think positively enough, there you're going to reach a point that you're going to manifest positivity and that is going to lead you into the perfect life. That's the way we should go. Think positively about yourself, about, about humanity, and that will lead us into the life we need to be. So this whole question of what's wrong with you is a very negative question. Don't ask that. It's not going to help us. It's not going to do any good in us. Right? Or, or maybe you're in another category still this morning when I asked the question, what, have you ever thought about what's wrong with you? That um, Maybe like you said, Tamara, there, uh, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of pain, uh, a lot of hurt. You've got no problem saying, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me, but my problem is that I, I kind of live in, the, in the, all the pain of that. And I don't want to go there. It's too painful. It's too hurtful. <laughs> so, so, so why then do you et ask me that question? And why do I et suggest to us that for the next 
few weeks, I want to do a bit of a short series on this issue of sin, of what's wrong with us, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with the world, right? Why would you do that if it is so painful, if it is a taboo, if it is a totally new, strange, weird thing? Why would we do that? Okay, I'm just going to tell you very briefly why I suggested, and then I'll get into the first sermon today. Okay? I would like to suggest to you that your and my understanding of sin, of what is wrong with us, of what is wrong with the world. How you understand that is directly connected to how you understand God. The extent to which you understand the, the gravity and the the depth and the despair, and yes, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep and awkward and perhaps painful stuff, but the extent to which you understand sin is going to be connected to the extent to which you understand the greatness of God, <laughs> the love of God, the power of God, what God is actually like in his work of, of, of and that's the Christian message, right? <laughs> Restoring and redeeming and reversing all that is wrong with us and with our world. <laughs> the, the more you understand that, the more you're going you're gonna to see the greatness of God. And that's why this is important. This is uh, directly connected to it. We would see the glory of God, and particularly in the gospel, in what he's done in his son, Jesus Christ. It's not only going to help you understand God better and accurately. It's going to help you understand, I think, more accurately who, who you are. Perhaps for the first time, perhaps at a deeper level, again, coming to grips with the reality of who I am, really, in the shadows and depths of my heart. A helpful more real, more truthful, sobering assessment of who I am. Not in a way that makes me feel guilty, but I, I would put you in a way that's going to free you and lead us deeper into the freedom of what God is doing. I don't get to see who God is. I get to see who I am better, more accurately, more clearly. We're going to understand the world around us better, perhaps. And we're going to see really what the aim of the church is and what God is doing in and through the church. That's why we do it. Um, it's a different kind of a series. It's, it's a, it's a, we're going to look at this one topic for a number of weeks and explore it deeply. If, you, if you've been in church long enough, it's really getting into some theology or doctrine, teaching about this topic and go quite deep. Not in an academic sense, but a sense that really hits us in the deep places of our hearts and draws us into a deeper love for God. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Today is a quick introduction, really, for the rest of the, the morning uh, that, that I will preach, because we are going to share the Lord's Supper as well. 
What I'm going to do, I'm going to introduce you to a range of words. Uh, The the question I want to ask this morning is is really, what is sin? The Bible talks about sin. What is it? Um, Maybe yell out to me. Let's just, yeah, that's interactive. If you, one one sentence, what's sin? Hit me up. Separation. Separation from God. Yeah, cool. Yep. So that assumes we want to be in a relationship with God. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And that Genesis passage was so good, isn't it? God creates human beings before what we read and then there's the separation that occurs. Yeah, yeah, cool. Anything else? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. Yep. Yeah, great. Yeah, good one. Um, hold on to it. It's a big one. Yeah, there's a particular word that's over 600 times. That's what it means, yeah. So there's a mark. God sets a mark that we, humanity and every human being is meant to live up to and, and, and hit and we miss it. You know, behaviour, thoughts, actions, words, yeah. Maybe one more. Not doing God's will. Not doing God's will, yep, yep. Yeah, so there are a number of ways in which we do that. We, we, some stuff we're supposed to do that we don't. <laughs> some stuff that we're doing that we're not supposed to. And so there's a whole range of things, yeah. That, these are all part of it, great answers. There's about 15 words in the Bible, Old and New Testament, that sort of Give us a glimpse of what sin is. I'll give you the, this is a real quick one. We're going to work through all 15. Some of them tell us about the, the cause of sin. Um, they darkened in their understanding. This is humanity separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of the heart. So ignorance, um, culpable ignorance. You should know that there is a right and a wrong. You should know that there is a God. You should know that there is a moral objective, right? But we're, we're kind of ignorant of it. Sometimes we're not. It's not excusable. Sometimes it is. There are genuine times where you'd say, okay, I didn't know that, right? Uh, but often it's not excusable. So this word agnoia applied to both categories. Um, error. Um, error as in... Wandering astray, you know what the right thing to do is, but deliberately we sort of stray from what is right to do. And quite often in the Bible that's a picture of um, people being led astray deliberately and actively. Remember Genesis' story that Zara read to us. Being led astray, being led into the wrong path, doing the wrong thing. Inattention, not paying attention. Uh, Yes, we need to, through the disobedience of one man, they were made sinners, that's humanity, that's the inattention, the word for disobedience there, is actually more accurately inattention. We're not paying attention, right? Then we've got a range of words telling us about the character of sin, there's you're missing the mark, that's the, probably the biggest one, over 600 times, where sort of, the Bible suggests to us that God sets a standard, bow and arrow style, yeah, um, Actually, I went axe-throwing a while ago. <laughs> That's a really cool new hip thing in the major cities where you get a target and you've got to throw an axe into it. And, um, you know, it's like your axe is supposed to hit the mark right in the middle. Um, but it doesn't. Interestingly, usually when the Bible employs this image, it's not so much that you tried your best but you failed. It's usually didn't even try. <laughs> Just chucked chucked at a wrong, totally different target. Didn't even go for the one that I was supposed to hit. Even denying that there is a target, you know, so you're not even going to throw or try to hit a target. 
It's a very big, um, big image in the Bible. I was wandering astray. <laughs> Irreligion. Um, yeah, sort of, and that has to do with righteousness, saying that there is something such as living a righteous life, doing the right things and not, right? Um, there are a number of words used for that. Very interestingly, again, anomia, one of the Greek words there, often applied to non-religious people. So we would say, hey, this is for religious people. They know that they should do the right things, but, but the Bible quite often applies this to non-religious people, assuming that, no, everybody knows something about a right or a wrong. Maybe not in the same terms that God expects, but there's an awareness of it, right? Um, transgression, there's a line, don't cross it. All right, we'll cross it, right? What are you going to do? The, the, the line in the sand sort of a thing. We, we cross the lines. Um, Iniquity or lack of integrity, that has to do with justice, miscarriage of justice in, in, in court systems and so forth, uh, exploitation, right? Rebellion is another one, um, actively defying, rebelling against God, treachery, um, yeah, that is sort of a falling away, you know, or yes, I love you, God, but really I don't, I'm going to kind of commit treachery in my actions, my words. Um, yep. Perversion, sort of bending things a bit. I'm not really doing the wrong thing, I'm just sort of bending the right thing a bit. Uh, yeah, that's another great image that the Bible uses. Abomination, uh, anything that is reprehensible to God. This is an interesting word, it's not that common, but it talks about things like... Um, Idolatry, don't covet silver or gold, uh, for it's detestable to you, the Lord your God. It's abominable to him. Right? Okay, you're doing well. Only four more to go. The results of sin, words that talk about the results. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about the results of sin in weeks to come. Um, agitation or restlessness. The Bible employs these words, uh, Hebrew word, resha. That, let, let's read that. The wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Right? Um, evil or badness, anything that's harmful or malignant, according to God, is sort of called ra. It's, 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 it's bad. It's evil. So in Deuteronomy, Moses says, I said before you, life and prosperity, life and prosperity death and destruction, Choose life, not badness. Destruction is badness. Okay? Uh, guilt. Uh, example for the Lord's Supper. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, if you're not serious about it, if you don't believe in God, uh, that will render you guilty before him. Right? And trouble is the last one, I think. Uh, being in trouble in a moral sense. Um, so sin results in a person being in moral trouble. Okay, that's the swoop of it. I did it very briefly because it's not essential that you understand the depth of each word. More important, if I can move on, 
is to get back to the question. What is sin? We can say, well, sin is many things. You just gave us 15 or 16 words. It's all these things. You can't define it to one thing. You can't distill it to say, hey, this is the one thing that sin is. Maybe, yes, but I still put it to you. There's something that ties all of these things together. There's a thread that runs through all of them. A core beginning point that, that is the, the origin of all of them, really. And, and that we get from, from Genesis. <laughs> what went wrong here? Yell out to me, what do you think went wrong here? What really went wrong here? Disobeyed God, yeah, yeah. God said do this, didn't do it. What goes before the disobedience? Should have got rid of Satan before he did it. Colors on the money. A little closer on the money. Yeah. Yes, disrespect for God. Yep, yep, so disobedience, disrespect. Um, can I suggest to you that you know what's it's really underneath all of this? It's a question of belief. Adam and Eve disobeys God because they do not believe his word to them that I have made you, I love you, this is a good place, live in relationship with me, I am God, I am good, I love you, enter into this relationship with me that we're going to live in this full, holistic and great place. That's God's word to humanity, saying, that's, that's, that's who I am. Trust me. <laughs> Believe me. And into this scene comes evil. And, and, and a, a theologian that I've read on this makes a very great point um, on what you're saying, Carla, the bottom line there, Adam's first sin was not in eating the forbidden fruit, but in allowing the false witness to become a resident of the garden in the first place. Instead of hearing God's word, the first human sought to see control, master, seek control, master, and determine it for themselves. <laughs> Which brings you and me to the question. Do we believe God? Do you believe him? Do you believe his word? If you think back of the first few words for sin, the causes of sin, they were very insightful words. Think about the importance of ignorance. Are you completely ignorant of who God is? Maybe that's valid because you just didn't know. You didn't grow up anywhere near Anything, church or faith or anything, you truly just don't know. It's so good to have you here if that is you. God wants you here. He wants to speak to you, show himself to you. Are you ignorant because you, you want to be ignorant? You choose to ignore him and what he says. Are you being led astray? Let's think about the error thing. If you're honest... Are you buying into what the world says about who you are? 
Are you listening to what the world says about take anything in your life? Sex. And sexuality. There's a massive voice in the world that seeks to speak to you to say this is who you are and how you should live with regards to this. And then there's God's voice saying, no, 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 this is who you are. You Which, who do you believe? It, it reduces down to that. Whose word will I believe? Will I trust? Right? <laughs> are you being inattentive? Um, are you paying attention to what God is saying? Perhaps if you're, a, if you're a Christian, have you perhaps grown to become inattentive to all of what God is saying about what he wants to do in your life? Or have you said to yourself, mm, I'm kind of happy with the handle that I've got on sin in my life and how much God has changed and that's it. I'm kind of now going to stop paying attention. I know the gospel and therefore I'm good. Let's not really continue to pay attention to what God wants to do in you with all of your life, right? Do you believe that God wants to radically transform and remake you? Do you believe that that process is not going to end until the day you die, right? <laughs> do we believe God? That's the nexus of sin. And I'll conclude by just this passage from the New Testament. It's a, it's a wonderful passage. Jesus has done, done, just done something incredible. He has cured a man possessed by an evil spirit, set him free. And then there's a bunch of religious leaders who look at that and they say, whoa, that is incredible, but... I think he is doing that because he's possessed by some cultic, maybe in our terms, spiritual voodoo. That's not from God, what he's just done. And then Jesus says to them, to the crowd as a whole, I tell you, if people can be forgiven all their sins, every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven they are guilty of an eternal sin. Those are strong words, are they not? It spiralled people for centuries to go, well, what does it mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? All sorts of theories have come out of that. Can I suggest to you it's not all that complicated? what these religious leaders have filed in, in the response to Jesus, they did not believe that he was who he said he was. <laughs> I am the Son of God. I am sent to reverse everything that sin has come to corrupt. And you've seen it. You've seen a demonstration of it in your very eyes. You know what? The only sin that will never be forgiven you it's a failure to believe. <laughs> failure to believe in God and in the one whom he has sent. <laughs> if that starts, your journey of faith, it just carries on and on and on and on. So my invitation this morning for all of us is that we would revisit 
for those who already do believe, the depth and extent of what your faith in God seeks to achieve in you. And maybe if you don't know God and you've never begun this journey, can I invite you perhaps over the next few weeks to, would you just start thinking about this? Would you start thinking that maybe in this whole realm of God and faith, you might find what's wrong with you. More than that, you will find what is possibly going to be right about you. And you're going to find it in God, find it in his word, find it in his son. Let me pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us enough to be honest with us, to be open with us. Thank you that you, Holy Spirit, will for each of us in our unique way convict us about our sin and its effects upon our lives as individuals. And Lord, that you do so with a view to give us life, to let us overcome see the reversal and the restoration and the great glory of what you want to do. Would you deepen that for every child of yours over the next few weeks? And I pray for a, a friend who's with us or listening, um, for whom all of this is perhaps new, perhaps angry with you, perhaps hurt, so many things, Father, but that you would give there the grace, the patience, the ability to look at you again perhaps put their faith in you for the first time. And Lord God, find in that such freedom, such deliverance, such forgiveness, such affirmation and life eternal. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, music team, can you come on up? We're going to sing a song that... Um, speaks about the